In a cool, moist spring, the prairie comes to life with blooms of all kinds that have not, in some cases, been there in years. And uh, I remember that drive today as clearly as if it were yesterday. Hello and welcome to the Notes from the Bee Yard podcast. You're listening to Episode 5, The Beekeeper is in Heat. Beekeeping is a mix of hard physical work that happens very often in a profoundly beautiful setting. It's about hot weather, it's heavy, it's sticky, it's sweaty, you can get stung. And at the same time, there are these beautiful moments being outside, following the bloom, watching the bees, feeling the change of the seasons. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode five, The Beekeeper is in Heat, written and read by Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Stay tuned through the end to hear Tom and I chat about Western kingbirds, air conditioning for beekeepers, and the heart of what Tom has done with his life. A grandfatherly man sits serenely in a straight-backed wooden chair beneath a blooming apple tree. Beside him is a colony of bees, and at his feet several youngsters lie transfixed as he shares with them his knowledge of the bees and other pearls of wisdom drawn from a life with nature. I didn't have any practical experience with beekeeping before I began, and if pressed, I might have described such a fanciful picture. Those images come from the same source that paint the rancher sitting astride a palomino under a magenta western sky strumming a guitar and singing softly to his cattle. Now, some of you may have actually done this, sat on a horse, strumming a guitar, even sung to your cattle. But my bet would be that you haven't done it very darn often, and it is rare when I have been able to sit under an apple tree talking to the neighborhood kids. Like the rest of agriculture, or for that matter, anything where real production is involved, the foundation of successful beekeeping is plain old-fashioned hard work, manual labor, gritty, grubby, and sweaty. It didn't take much on-the-job experience to dispel any romantic images I might have held. I've had some warm jobs in my time, Laying hot asphalt for blacktop roads would be one. Being a uke skinner on the Dillon Dam with a 600-horse diesel at my feet was another. Stacking bales in the haymow as fast as they came off the elevator when the inside temperature was high enough to poach an egg would be up there near the top. But for day-in, day-out heat, I don't know of anything that quite compares with beekeeping, and I've often marveled that I haven't been found in an unconscious puddle in some remote bee yard. Fortunately, much of the heavy work can be done in April and May when the temperature is more moderate. During those months, I am doing what is called double queening, 
that is, introducing a second queen into each colony. Normally, a hive of bees will tolerate only a single queen. However, through an intricate series of manipulations, I am able to establish a second queen in each hive. The purpose of all this is to build booming colonies. This will provide the maximum number of fielders when the honey flows begin, and also compensate for the heavy loss of fielders that can result from agricultural spraying. As June appears, the double queening is mostly behind me. The new queens have been accepted and everything is going smoothly, or at least as smoothly as can be expected. The honey flow is only a few weeks off, closer if the clover comes on. With two queens producing brood, the colony populations are climbing rapidly, and if bees aren't given additional room, they will be hanging in the trees, as we say, swarming. That's the last thing I want. I didn't spend two months of hard work to populate all the hollow trees around the county with bees. So after a winter of rest, the honey supers begin to emerge from the warehouse. The honey supers are boxes just like the hive bodies, only shorter. A full hive body will weigh about 100 pounds. A honey super, about 55. Some beekeepers use hive bodies as honey supers, usually commercial operators with mechanical lifts to help with the harvesting. But for me, 55 pounds is heavy enough. I know that I'm going to develop an intimate relationship with every super, lifting each many times through the course of the summer and in the fall as the honey wends its way from bee yard to bottle. The moderate temperatures of spring ended abruptly with May, and the first days of June proved to be a test of my stamina and resolve, a taste of things to come. During these hot days, I can easily lose 10 pounds a day. Of course, it is never really lost since it soon returns. Later in the season, I can schedule things so I work mainly in the mornings and evenings, escaping the hottest part of the day. But when the bees need supers, they need them now, not tomorrow or next week, or when the weather cools. I've spent these first 90-degree days of the season hauling load after load of honey supers out to the bee yards, making the final manipulations of the hive bodies to set up the two queen colonies and giving each hive as much super room as it needs. Without the luxury of hiding out from the midday sun, I just power on through, drink lots of water, and push on to the next bee yard. Even with all this, the days aren't without their pleasures. June was a good example. I finished up at my bee yard on the upper Little Thompson River about seven, and as tempted as I was to ford the river and take the short way out to the road and home for a shower, I elected to wander my way out the long way across the prairie. Through the binoculars, I looked back from the river bluffs at the bee yard, 
tucked in peacefully between the river and a small hayfield. The whole scene was wrapped protectively by the bluffs on one side, the trees along the stream on the other, and the foothills to the west. Through the air the fielders zipped, glinting like golden droplets in the last slanting rays of the sun. Outgoing bees sped straight and true, but even at a distance it was easy to pick out the incoming tail-draggers, so heavily laden with nectar that their bodies hung down at an angle. Like student pilots, they made their lumbering approach from high above. Within the traffic pattern, a family of western kingbirds swooped and darted. Members of the flycatcher family, I have never noticed that they take much of a toll, and I like to see them around so we coexist peacefully. A cool spring has produced a year of grass and wildflowers, and the prairie is about as lush as it ever gets. As I poked along, Bright blossoms were sprinkled everywhere, and one broad grassy wash exploded in lavender blooms, as if some great hand had poured the colors down the slope to fill the bottom and wash up against the margins, where stands of yellow snapdragons stopped the flow. This is the year to see the prairie, whether you are a lifetime lover or a newcomer. Another week or two of this heat, and it will all be fried. It may be years before we see another display like this. I finally reached the blacktop and headed south for home as the shadows from the high peaks stretched across the road and brilliant white thunderheads towered in the east. A lone swallow effortlessly worked the breeze, banking and diving above a field now etched with windrows of hay. The windrows will soon change to orderly ranks of bales, and then the self-loaders will rumble down the road each evening. I soaked in the beauty of it all, everything so green and lush, all the colors deeper and more saturated in the angled light of sunset. And I let the shade blow up my sleeve, air conditioning at a price I can afford, as the unmistakable sweet scent of new-mown hay filled the cab, and I counted all my blessings. But tomorrow is another day, and if a high-paying career exists out there for someone who can stand in the blazing sun for hours, stooped over, lifting heavy objects, I'm your man. Um, I just feel so connected with you when I hear you talking about the prairies, the weather. You've certainly heard me say that before. <laughs> it's uh, I have. You know, it's the heart of what I've done with my life. It's the beauty of beekeeping. The beauty of beekeeping goes far beyond the beekeeping itself. Another thing that I kind of chuckled at was the 
air conditioning at a price you can afford. Yes. Do you yes. want to describe a little bit about what that is for people who haven't had that experience? Well, as soon as I get away from the bee yard, my bee suit would come off. By then, on a hot day, the bee suit is pretty well soaked, and so is all of my clothing beneath the bee suit. So as soon as I pick up a little speed, my left arm is out the window, and if I position my hand just right, the air comes up my sleeve and across my back and, and cools me uh, immeasurably. Something that I admire about you is this very relaxed attitude toward the Western kingbirds. Yes. We sometimes have Western tanagers in our yard and they eat bees and I get really annoyed. Well, we have to uh, come to terms with nature and and understand that we can't assert ourselves over everything. And were it to accomplish anything, to be angry and, and impatient, uh, I might be more angry and impatient, but it doesn't accomplish a thing. Beekeeping... The setting of beekeeping is beautiful, and I live a life that most people would hang on their wall. What do you mean by that? The beauty of it. The beauty of, for example, talking about coming out by way of the prairie and seeing all the bloom in a moist spring. I I, I don't take that for granted. I, I take that very seriously, and that's the kind of natural beauty that many people would hang on their wall. Thank you for listening to the Notes from the Bee Yard podcast. We publish new episodes on Fridays at noon. Join us next week to hear episode 6, Supering Up. In the meantime, hop on over to notesfromthebeeyard.buzz and subscribe.